it's 2021. Happy New Year. This is Edgar Otraves, and this is the Floral Podcast. Now, on today's episode, we're going to be doing New Year's resolutions, and we're going to go past the usual lose weight, you know, become a millionaire kind of stuff, and uh, concentrating on some more abstract ideas. Of course, don't forget the losing weight and becoming a millionaire and all that nonsense and getting buffer. That's still on the list. That's just a given. We're just, you know, concentrating on some more abstract ideas here, I guess. Now, as you will hear, this particular podcast was recorded before the holidays. I thought I would get it out sometime in the middle, uh, like sometime after Christmas, but before New Year. So I apologize for the break. But going forward, we're going to be trying to do the at least once a week, if not twice, um, with the occasional maybe even three uh, times a week. But that doesn't really happen often. As usual, you know where to find us online. We're on Instagram as The Flow Roll. Also, if you're in the need for a cup or a throw pillow or a nifty t-shirt, you can find those over at shop.theflowrollpodcast.com. Now here's the show. So welcome to another episode of the Flow Road Podcast. This is uh, Edgar Otraves. I forgot my name there for a minute. And uh, <laughs> it's okay. So do all the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> but it's okay for the listeners, not for the host. Um, today I have Emily and not my cousin Dan. And we're going to be talking our uh, New Year's resolutions. Um, mostly, uh, but, so who wants to go first? Uh, I have thought about them. Not super clear on what I kind of want to do, but I have I have some some ideas that I want to kind of talk through. So, uh, Emily, it like Dan might have a clearer idea of what he wants ah. to do than yeah. I do. So why doesn't Dan go All right. first? I'll I'll start with the simple one. Right, this is I only have two New Year's resolutions for 2021, and the first one is simple, and that's uh, show more gratitude. Hmm be more active with my gratitude and and even for simple things because if there's something that I've learned over the past two years now uh having been through some of the horrifying shit that has happened for everybody but for me too it's uh that's a powerful thing it's it's um it's almost, it, it's energizing, number one, just saying thank you to somebody, just being like sincerely grateful is energizing, but there's a healing bit of it too. You put a little bit of that, that grateful energy out there and, and it, there, there's, there's a bit of healing that you can actually feel when you, when you sincerely thank somebody, when you sincerely and graciously put it out there, it feels good. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I agree. It's, it's, it does, it does kind of like, it, it helps everybody. Like, yeah, you're right. Like you talk and then you say, thank you. And it's, um, it is healing. I have a problem with it. Not, not like 
I have a problem doing with uh, doing it. Like, you know, being able to say it to the person's face and say, thank you. You know, it's just, it's, and there's a trick to it, right? There could, because I mean, we all say thank you insincerely a million times a day, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's like a greeting, right? Yeah. Thanks. You know, you say yeah. it, but when you force yourself to be sincere about it, if you're going to say it, mm-hmm. you're going to be sincere. It makes it, it makes a difference. It seems like a little thing, but it's a big deal. Yeah. No, I, I try to be sincere and I, we've had this conversation before uh, about just kind of sincerity and being who I should be when I talk to people. But uh, uh, when I say thank you, I, I usually do mean it. I don't mean it like, hello, you know, I don't mean it like, you know, like a salutation or something. There's nothing worse than when you have that awkward conversation in the hall at your job. And it's like, someone says, how are you? And you say, you know what I mean? Like you say the wrong thing. Cause it's so like, we're so, um, as a society, we're just so used to these pleasantries that yeah. are don't have any like love or meaning or care associated with them. Mm-hmm. Right. And with, with starting with something simple, like just being showing more gratitude, if you, if you force yourself to be sincere about it, there's a ton of other stuff that flows from that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like unlocking a chakra, you know? Um, more sincerity in general will flow from that. You will become a more sincere person and more genuine to who you are. You'll, I have noticed anyway that, you know, you get uh, definitely a more defined sense of, of your own uh, identity just mm-hmm. through sincerity, forcing yourself to actually be sincere, right? Stopping yourself from putting on the salesman airs or, or whatever, you know, you want to call it you know, not being smarmy, not buying into just pointless pleasantries and trying to actually be genuine, get rid of the small talk, you know, it, it's a, there's a cascade effect that comes through that. And I mean, I, I started with this and, you know, I don't, I don't want to hijack the podcast, you know, and I, I don't, yeah, but, you know, Edgar, you know, um, out of nowhere last year, I lost my partner, Beth. Yeah. Um, It was completely blindsided all of us and, you know, threw me into a real crazy situation that, I mean, I can't get into the specifics of it, but um, so many, so many crazy things. And there were so many people that I just had to thank because of their graciousness and support throughout that whole thing that, and and, you know, that's not the kind of thing that you thank somebody for lightly. That's not the kind of thing where you engage in pleasantries and like over and over kind of, you know, genuinely having to thank people for what they did to help me pull through Uh, all of us pull through was, I mean, that's where most of the healing came from, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, so in 2021, you know, and I, I'm, I'm going to expand that, right? I'm going to keep pushing that out further. And just, I, I mean, the difference it makes, even with the people that you work with, you know, just saying, saying simple things that sound stupid, you know, mm-hmm. but just telling somebody, hey, you know what? I appreciate you. I appreciate the, 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 the work that you did with me on this project or whatever. I appreciate it. Nothing more, nothing, not looking for anything in return, just 
saying those words, there's power to it. You wouldn't think so. Like you, you, you want to dismiss it, but there's, there's a heavy amount of power involved in that. I, I have a question for you. Um, what if you have to say thank you to someone, but you kind of don't want to? That's the most important time to do it. Really? Even if you think when oh, it's hard, okay. when it's hard, but, but, but you but know. Wait. But why is it? Why does it have to happen? If you don't mind giving a little more details, if you don't want to be specific, why does this have to happen? Oh no, I'm just playing devil's advocate. I'm just saying oh. you got you got that jerk on well, your team. No, you got so, that, sometimes there there are jerks in your life. Yeah, but you have to say and, thank you to them. And every once in a while, they come through and do something mm -hmm. that surprises you. And you're like, damn it, I got to say thank like, you to this <laughs> But it's when, when you have to force yourself to do it through gritted teeth. Yeah. That's growth, my friend. That is that is personal growth. And what if it, evolution of thought and feeling? It never really pains me to do that stuff. So are you guys both saying that there are situations where it would pain you to thank someone who you don't maybe get along? I might with? have. Uh, well, and that's part of the resolution, right? There's, <laughs> there's sometimes where, you know, you feel a little bit of resentment for having to be grateful to someone you know i um I, I don't have that problem like even the people that that i have a hard time dealing with when they come through for me or come through for the project or whatever or whatever it is i always am yeah sure i'm a little surprised but more than anything i am grateful that they that they uh did what they were supposed to or did their part or went above and beyond to kind of pull whatever thing together and I don't have a problem saying thank you. I'll send them a, an email if they are especially, you know, if they especially performed well on whatever thing that we're, we were doing, I will say thank you in person. And but, then after you say thank you is when they take credit for your work. Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And, or they say something like, well, I know. You know, yeah. <laughs> thank you. I know. Yeah, like, well, we all know there's different, very different personalities. And there's some people that are, I think, unfortunately, aren't always, um, I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this, maybe are just uncomfortable personalities, or they may mm -hmm. not have the type of personality where they, they work well with others. And maybe it's not even their own fault. It's just yeah part of how they work. And I always try to be, and I'm not tuning my own horn here, but I try to be cognizant of those things and remember that, you know, some people are difficult to work with because they're difficult human beings and there's no getting around that. Yeah. But there's other people that may be awkward or don't know how to communicate yeah. properly. And, you know, I try to give them the benefit of the doubt and go, okay, you know, I yeah. still have to work with this person. I can adjust things on my end to make this work. Yeah. yeah. Well, oh. and forcing yourself into that position, right. Where it, it shines like sometimes we're all difficult to work with. Right. Sometimes we're all assholes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, I'd like to think I'm less of an asshole now, but it, it took a long time and a lot of shitty experience to figure out, Hey, you know, sometimes uh, I'm the one getting in the way, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, like, I'm a recovering asshole myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I go to AA meetings all the time. Recovering asshole. 
<laughs> but like forcing yourself into the position where like you have to appreciate people even if even if they're very difficult to appreciate mm. it, it at least for me gets you to a position where you're willing to start looking like shining the light on yourself and, and recognizing all of your own flaws and trying and, and that's the only well, that's when you can start working on them you know yeah um so uh emily did you want to jump in next um yeah i think that this is like super specific and super broad at the same time mm-hmm. um i've been thinking about a lot of changes i want to make and just about um, trying to put this the right way changes to make in my life like overall that would make me happier and that involves a lot of logistical things in terms of where i live and things of that nature um so i'm trying to be better about something that i I, it sounds so it sounds silly because it's 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 not super exciting but the idea that if i can be more organized about how i'm looking at the next two years of my life It'll help me in other areas too. I think we can all be better organized yeah. in our jobs, in our day-to-day lives. Things have fallen by the wayside for a lot of us when we're stressed during the pandemic. And there's things, projects I've let lapse in my personal life because I'm focused on work. So there's a lot of stuff I want to do to change my life in the next two years, but I have to stop talking about it and I have to start making actions. And for me, that's hard because... I'm a dreamer and I've got all these ideas in my head and the way it looks is probably not how it's going to end up being, Mm -hmm. but I need to take more steps to the changes I want in my life. Because again, I do have this tendency to put stuff on the back burner. And um, I interviewed somebody recently who said, um, don't put yourself off till Sunday, you know, and I do it all the time, all the time. Oh, I, there's, um, it's too easy to do that because anything that you really, really want, anything in life, any achievement that you want, anything that you want to get for yourself. I mean, it takes a mountain of work to get there mm-hmm. and that, that can be really blinding, right? It, you, you can say, well, this is the, this is the goal. How do I get there? And you start thinking about all the things that, that have to go right and have to happen for you to get there that it just, it's so daunting that it's like, well, you know what? It's easier to just float for now. It's easier to just float. Uh, Things are okay. I got a job, whatever, you know, I got a job. I've got money in the bank, whatever, whatever it is. It's easier to, to go with that than to make a plan, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, that's, I think one of the reasons why I've been pushing myself so hard, I mean, aside from boredom, right. Like we were talking about a little bit earlier uh, when we all got on, like the last two months I've been just crazy industrious, you know, just like grinding away on, on things I've always kind of wanted to do, right? Like reading a lot of books, but, you know, I've always wanted, I used to play instruments when I was a kid and then I just stopped and, you know, and I picked up guitar and I've been playing like a crazy person, poorly, very poorly. Uh, I make a lot of noise. Um, like, you know, like Dick Dale was the king of surf guitar. I'm the king of fret, buzz and unintentional seconds. Um, like, but, uh, 
No, it, it's, but it's like, I've got the time now. It's not like I can go out and do anything. You know, it's not like I'm spending a, an hour a day commuting to and from work. So, you know, I've been brushing up the guitar. I've been cooking and baking like a crazy person. Like God, my cooking skills are pretty effing awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, as you've uh, kind of demonstrated while we were heading that when we had a podcast <laughs> with Andy, you were like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a, I think that's but, actually one of my goals for the new year. I, I wouldn't say it's a resolution, but to definitely do more of what people like you are doing where mm -hmm. it's like, I watch cooking shows and I'm like, wow, that's great. And I write the ingredients down or I take a screenshot of something and then I do nothing about mm -hmm. it. It's just, I feel like I've been overwhelmed this year with everything with the pandemic and mm -hmm. I've the most action I've taken to do anything has been to read. But when it comes to like actionable things, I just get overwhelmed. And then I don't want to, we talked about this on another podcast too. I'm starting to get Instacart delivered because I don't, I don't want to have to keep going yeah. to the grocery store because I was trying to be safe. So yeah. like all these weird ingredients you can only get from this store or that store. And I was like, well, now I'm not inspired to do anything because I have to go all these places and I right. don't want to do that. Yeah. Right. And that's, well, that's kind of where I was going with the guitar, right? Like, uh, yeah, it's, I, I miss being musical from, you know, when I was a kid and I would play piano and I played clarinet, you know, I miss being musical, but more than that, it's sometimes it's the thing that's totally unrelated with your goals that takes a lot of work and a lot of focus and getting into a groove with something is the domino that you need to push over to knock over the dominoes that to, to give you the energy and to give you kind of the, Hey, I can actually do things right. Yeah. I can focus. I can achieve things if I, if I actually try. And so like, you know, there are other bigger goals that I have, but, but beating my fingertips on a guitar for two hours a day, the fact that I've committed to it or, or, you know, running two miles a day or whatever thing that I've picked up during COVID they're giving me energy and, and giving me like a, a, a starting point. Like I can do things. If I actually decide to do things, I can do them. If I break them down into, you know, digestible pieces, I can make a plan, follow it and get to a goal, you know? So it's um, also important really quick, Edgar. It's also mm -hmm. really important to note that like, you know, we should be doing things for ourselves in these times for our mental and physical well-being. We know this, but it's easier to talk about it or to give advice to somebody else than to take your own advice. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something I really need to do this year um, coming up into 2021. I just need to, I've been really dedicated to my job, but I need to remember that you need to step away and take care of yourself or yeah. you're not going to be healthy enough to keep doing your job. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Emily, kind of just to kind of um, put an image in my head, how would you say that you're completing your, your goals? Like you could say, okay, I have these things I want to complete. Do you have something that says, okay, if I'm going to read more, if I'm going to go out more, I'm going to do something for my mental health more, what would those things look like? What would be part of the part of what you want to kind of uh, like accomplish in 2021? Um, there's definitely the need to tell, um, more stories in some format, whether that's writing the book I've been working on more, working more on that. 
Um, whether that looks like starting a blog of my own, a personal like way to like get my feelings out because I'm not into like journaling and I'm not good at talking about my feelings to be quite frank with anyone. Um, and I don't go to therapy, so there's not that option. Um, <laughs> I mean, the option's there. I just don't do it. Um, but my biggest goal is that I want to eventually move to London. That is my goal. Wow. And the whole problem with that is figuring out logistically with my mother who lives in Chicago, she's a single mom, she's getting older. Um, you know, my job here, I love, um, and also the fact that we are living through a time where who knows when they're even going to open the doors to an American with a visa at this point, given that all these countries are like not letting people in or out. And the UK in particular right now is getting hard hit by COVID a uh, strange mutant strain of it. So, oh yeah. Oh. So there's so many different things, but the ultimate goal, honestly, to put it in the corniest thing ever, way ever, is to just say, I want to be happier. And I think that I dream about all these great things that I want for myself in my head. But again, if you don't take that first step to do yeah. something about it, you don't realize what you're capable of. And you keep sitting with the dream instead of putting it into action. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say I don't have, again, I've been working on a book. I've been working on stuff here and there, but I need to actually call a publisher I need to talk to my friends in London more about the opportunities of living over there and what that looks like. I need to talk about what my job and my future in Chicago is. You know what I mean? Like I need to think, and this is down the line. This is not something I wanted to do next week. This is something I'm talking a couple of years from now, but if I want to make changes, I need to just be better at making myself accountable for. Yeah. You need to make like a, like an action plan, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, work, take right? some of that stuff for work, but I'm not planning right. out my own life. Oh. Right. Know, those, those things like the, uh, the London thing, that's definitely a, a longer term goal, right? It's not something we can, you could probably accomplish in 2021. No, right? no but again, there are steps and things I could be taking mm -hmm. now to look at what is feasible. What could I afford yeah. to live? What could I, how would I work there? How would I do this? And also, yeah. Again, right now, we don't know what the future of the next six months looks like for even travel, but thinking about those things. And there's never, you know, there's no time like the present. It doesn't mm -hmm. hurt to start doing that research now. I think, I think those things with the, uh, with the storytelling, there are a multitude of uh, channels that you can access to tell yeah. whatever story you want to tell. Because like, this is one of the, <laughs> the best times yeah. for it. Like you get, if you're, if you're going to accomplish that, it would be during this pandemic and it would be, it, and you have the technology. If you need any help with any of the, any of it, like, I'll be happy to kind of help you with like websites yeah, they, and stuff like that. Know that. Like, I know, like, obviously there's a lot of people I've noticed this fun, this fun thing on Instagram, the fact that pages I followed already, like one is a vintage, um, um, furniture company where they just get stuff from like up in Wisconsin and bring it down to Chicago. She changed the whole format where she talks about each piece of furniture. Like it's a person and tells a story about it uh -huh. and it's past and where it came from and her engagement went up crazy. And obviously wow. I, storytelling is part of my, my job. So I write a lot for my job. Mm. So sometimes it is hard to get motivated to work on a personal project. Sure. After that right like if you were playing basketball all day for fun 
and then you had to go play basketball for four hours for work. Oh, or dude. Eight hours for work. But it takes that's... the joy out of it a little bit. Now, again, yeah. not to say that I don't love telling stories, but for my job, but sitting on a screen for another four hours working in my book after work, that's the last thing I want to do. Yeah, I, don't, I hear you. This is this is basically why I stopped doing stand up. I mean, because it, it it gets to a point where, okay, so you know, uh, on a busy day, right? On a day where you have three shows, right? A Saturday, a Friday night or a Saturday where where you're doing three shows, right? Okay, so that's realistically three hours, maybe another hour to get to and from home, right? Or you know, if depending, you know, maybe three hours on stage, and then. 15 minutes to get to the condo, right? Whatever. Um, but then any more, like in order to really be able to continually get booked, like you have to have the Instagram and the Facebook and the Twitter. And that's like, you have to be prolific on those. And it's like a full-time job yes. and you are constantly having to be engaged on those you, channels. You have to be like tweeting 20 or 30 times a day and you have to, and you know, it, it can't all be junk. You have yeah. to have an Instagram and you have to be posting stuff that people actually give a shit about. And it's, and it's like, number one, I don't, I know this sounds crazy, but it's like, I didn't start doing comedy so that I could be a celebrity. And number two, like I, I want my comedy to be the thing that that people are engaging with. I don't want them engaging with me. Like yeah. that's creepy to me. That's like creepy, and it kind of chased me out of the business. But it's like those are the things that you need to do, those, right? Like then, like I've got four actors don't have to do it, right? Like there's tons of famous actors who don't have a Instagram right. and don't need it. But right. with comedy, if you're up and coming, no one's well, going to know what you're about unless with, you have. It. With comedy, with writing, uh, anymore. If you're in a band, you know, like these are the things that you need. Um, and like I've written several books, like, but they're not for public consumption, right? Like I've written history books. That doesn't mean anything to a publisher, you know. If I if I were to take any of the manuscripts that I've written, and, and believe me, I have, and and send them off to agents or publishers, the immediate response is. Before I even look at if this is good or bad, how many Twitter followers do you have? Oh, Jesus. Are you serious? I'm not making this up. Like that's how many Twitter followers do you, do you have an Instagram presence? And, it, and it's like, well, not really, because it doesn't interest me. Well, check, check out Instagram. How about those story but things? Like, when you when you try to like when you want to link to a story, I think it is. It won't let you. It won't let you right away unless you have like 100,000 followers or something. stupid. Yeah. Remember you were looking at right. that? I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, you, I just right. on to... Instagram, you can't do the swipe down thing or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. and it, you know, but that like that's the thing. Like, if you want to be a writer anymore, I'm I'm a, a thousand percent convinced of this. You have to start with the Twitter following, and use that as your angle to get to get the agent or the publisher to look at you know what's so funny too is that i've always been such a jane of all trades that my twitter is where i retweet work stuff i engage with celebrities Mm. i post sarcastic stuff that's not how it should work you need it all focused in one arena and mine is such a mishmash of garbage it's like i'd have to start a whole new twitter and get started from the Mm. ground up yeah and and i mean that that's the thing that keeps me from chasing some of my like goals that I would set for myself is 
I just don't want to fucking do that. Like in all honesty, like I want to, I want to write and I do write and I want, I want publishers to pick that stuff up. But if that means I have to like either create a public persona, I already did the creating a public persona for myself. Right. And it took a lot. And, and, and again, this sounds crazy. It took a lot of effort to kind of scrub that shit off of the internet. Not that I was ashamed of it. It has nothing to do with it. It was, I have to leave that life behind to transition to a different kind of life. And I don't want to do that again. I don't like, I don't want to have to have a whole separate public persona and I don't want to take my personal persona and make it public. Yeah. What if you just become a comedian who has clips online and no videos, you don't have your picture. That would so be novel. (laughs) Yeah. That would be very novel. I, I I mean, are you poking fun? Because that's what I was trying to do. Like, no, I wasn't trying to be a comedian, no, but I've uh, been thinking about creating a separate account uh-huh. where I just not harass people, but you know, <laughs> go 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 yes. at celebrities, go at some Republicans, go at whatever. <laughs> and I don't feel comfortable, even though I put very clearly on my account where people from work follow me and I retweet work stuff. I put clearly that opinions are my own, but I've never felt really comfortable with my form of comedy on that Twitter, knowing yeah. that everybody sees it right. and my name's on it. And I'm like, maybe you just create a, you know, there's a million different Twitter accounts out there that don't have a name associated. It's just a funny account that's very specific about what it talks about. And then you have, you can kind of be anonymous at the end of the day. Yeah, I've, I've, I've launched a couple of those actually. Uh, but again, it comes down to, man, is it, it's a lot of work involved. It's it just is like, well, like this podcast is another great example of it. I mean, you've got this, th- this will be like the 32nd or 33rd episode that you've done. 31. Yeah. And I mean, we're getting 30, 30 listeners per episode. So that's awesome. Right. But it's a lot of work to get that's, that's one and a half listeners per episode. We you know, got, yeah, we and got it, like, it takes time. And it's, like and it's Edgar and half is me. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, half half is you and the other half is Dan. And <laughs> and uh we got we got some Martins sprinkled up in there. We got a little bit of Andy. But uh that's exactly where I'm at. Like that's like what you guys are talking about is kind of where I'm at. I'm trying to I don't want to be because I don't care to be famous. I don't want to be famous. I, I don't that's me too. Like I love no. I gave up the dream of being famous a million no. years ago. It's yeah. more so about and, just sharing the content you want to share. Oh, and yeah. if if my I'm at the point in my life right now where if one of the books that I've written ever actually does get published, I'd publish it under a pseudonym. Mm. Because it's you know, I actually feel like that's even more marketable, especially if somebody doesn't have uh, an expansive Twitter following or something like who is the mystery writer? You, know? you should have, it should have something in the back on the back page. that says like, this is a really, really, really famous person, but it's being written anonymously. <laughs> yeah. Get to it, yes. <laughs> this is JK Rowling's other pseudonym. <laughs> got like 10 of them at this point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just like, uh, I want to rename, you know, uh, for the, for the many of the reasons that you guys spoke about, I want to remain anonymous mostly be, uh, because of all of those reasons, but mostly because I am still in the workforce. Uh, I would like to one day be free of the workforce, but I also enjoy my job. <laughs> you know, is that, called, is that called retirement? 
Uh, I don't know if there's such a thing like that for me. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, I think in this day and age, there's no way that you. That's can... what my parents used to say until they retired. No. It, took, <laughs> it took them. It took them about six months to get to the point where they went. They went from ah, boy, I don't really think I could ever really retire. I mean, like mm. I can see going part-time or something or taking fewer clients, but I uh, just enjoy working too much within six months for both of them. It was just like, I'm never going back. No, it, it's not, it's not that I, I wish it was like, Oh, I love work so much. You know, it's not, it's not that I, I, I do enjoy my job, but it's not that it's, it's, I don't think that we can live in this age where things are so expensive, where things cost as much as they do. New things keep coming up that they say we need that I could not make more money uh, to be able to acquire some of the things that I would need to exist in the future. So I also, I think it depends on, I've been working since I was 12 or 13 years old. Don't tell hmm. the state of Illinois that, but <laughs> I've been working since a really young age and I can't fathom, first of all, um, my savings are not what they should look like, but also beyond that, I would be too bored to not work at all. I, I would have to work either with my own project that I'm making money off in some mm. function or working a part-time to almost full-time hours, even just having a decrease in 40 hours or 50 or yeah. 60, depending on how much you, some of us work. Um, my nurse friends are currently working 85 hours. I mean, having a decrease even from 40 hours, I feel like would be like such a lift, but I could never just not do anything right. because again edgar to your point you need money if you want to be traveling in your sure. retirement and all yeah. this stuff. yeah well and yeah and this is this is the big the big secret that really everybody knows but nobody ever talks about it but everybody knows it you know you've got the whole myth of bootstrapping and you know if you work hard you'll save enough money for retirement and, or or and you'll make enough money to support yourself and all that but uh here's like absolute truth just that's real talk you could get um an executive level job and unless that executive level job is at like google or apple you will still not be making enough money to just do it for a couple of years and walk away you wouldn't be no, able to do it still, even then because right, you, 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 you can't you can't because you live in Silicon Valley. You have to keep a right. certain kind of image up and you would be spending it as much as fast yeah. as you would be getting it. Yeah. And so like, let's say that you become like an executive level, you know, director level or higher at just like an average American corporation, right? You're probably making somewhere between 150 and $300,000 plus whatever bonus is if there's stock options or whatever. That is not enough money to even get paid that for 10 years and have enough money to walk away. No, no. So like the idea of climbing up the ladder and getting the better job so you get the better paycheck so that you can walk away from it all at some point, it's, it's a fucking fallacy. It's bullshit. They're, they're for 90, and I'm, I don't want to talk about like the 1% versus the 99% of it, but, but for 99% of us, that's, that's not an option. It doesn't matter how high you climb the ladder. You're never going to make the kind of money that you need to walk away. And what well, you need to do is but Dan, 
independent income, you know? You can be really responsible like me and assume that you're going to win the lottery any day now. <laughs> you buy tickets you have, and well, you're thinking on that happening. It's all going to be okay after that. Well, there and you, you have a better <laughs> chance of that happening than working yourself into a, a standard position where you can, you know, make enough to be independently wealthy. I always find yeah. that interesting though. A lot of people seem to think like, okay, I have finally got this opportunity. I can work this job for eight to 10 years and be good to go. That's, that's it, not no. likely. That's not it's true. not likely. And not only is it not likely that you'll be able to keep that job for eight to 10 years. Whether, uh, I, whether it's keeping it because you're at the level right. or keeping it because maybe, you know, it's possible people just get burned out and want to leave. Right. You're, you're either going to get fired or you're going to burn out. One yeah. of the two things is going to happen. And if neither of those two things is, has happened, guess what? You have expenses because you're a human being. Yeah. Right? So and you get used to a, I mean, I will say my lifestyle changed a little bit between the ages of 22 and yeah. now in terms of, what I, you know, what I was spending on at that age versus now, and you get used to a certain lifestyle. Like oh. I had roommates before I would never live with yeah. anyone ever again at this point, unless I was married. <laughs> so like, I've already lost out on the opportunity of saving on rent because I refused to do that. Yeah. You know? No. I, yeah. It's um, the, the expenses just, they do nothing but go up and um, yeah, you get used to a certain kind of lifestyle, even if you're living responsibly and saving, you know, you still get used to living a certain kind of lifestyle. And it's like, at this point, I could never go back to doing comedy. I was doing okay. Like I was, I was reasonably successful. I never had a hard time getting work, getting booked. I had a pretty solid network of, of you know, I had a, a, a solid schedule every year. Uh, and I was happy living on what I was living on. And, you know, it wasn't like destitution, but it wasn't a lot of money. I couldn't go back to that. There's yeah. no, there's no way I could go back to that. I'd be miserable. You yeah. know, I knew a guy who, um, and he, he had kind of like the, the ideal setup, but he, he worked the stock market. He had worked for some firm in the beginning when he started his career. Eventually he, he left the stock market, had enough money to kind of do his own thing with the stock market. And he told me he, what he would do is he would wake up in the morning. Like I think early too, like three or four in the morning yeah, before the markets. Yeah. Before the market started work for three hours, put in his bids and then go play the rest of the day. I've, I've three thought hours. about doing that. Yeah. I've thought about doing that and trying it. The, the, the problem is there's it's, so much risk involved. Well, it's gambling. It's gambling. It's straight up gambling. There's there's no question about it. There's so much risk involved. And in order to really make the kind of money, like you have to start playing with uh, options, you know, you have to start playing with puts and calls and, and really calculating. I've seen lives ruined in that industry oh, too. I mean, it's it, not yeah. attractive to me. Yeah. And you, you have to, to really make money, you have to make big, big plays. Right? He had, he had a giant uh, junk of change in the stock market and he was just living off of whatever he got out of it. But like mm -hmm. that money was in there revolving, I don't know, a hundred thousand or whatever it was. And it was just revolving in the stocks coming, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, spitting out a few thousand dollars or whatever a week or whatever it was, but it was enough for him to kind of live off of. Yeah. And he was doing well, 
you know, sure. uh, as, as far as I knew, he didn't, he didn't live a, a lavish life, but he was very, he was, he, he seemed happy. But see, and, that's my goal, right? I don't need to be like wealthy. Yeah. Right. But if I could have, I, if, if I could have a scenario where it's like, I'm making enough money to pay my bills and, and live my lifestyle mm-hmm. and I don't have to do much. Yeah. And you're not stressing, and you're not stressing about it. Yeah. Right. I mean, through stress is a big thing for me. Yeah. Three hours a day well, and, bad. and that's something that I have found in all of my work experience is when I stop, I don't want to say when I stop giving a shit altogether about my job, but when I just kind of like make the decision, like I, I only care so much, you know, all of a sudden that's when I start getting promoted you know, <laughs> that's when I start getting raises and people telling me like, boy, you really knocked it out of the park this year. It's like, really? Because I kind of hung up my coat like six months ago. <laughs> well, you just got promoted. <laughs> that that happened to me twice. You know what? When though? we worked together. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what? It, it reminds me of the idea of when you stop thinking about something too much or you stop hoping or wishing too much, then it happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like- well, and yeah. And it's, that happened with me with comedy too. Uh, when I stopped people, comedians in particular talk about the grind, you know, and I, I don't know, I am so out of touch with the Chicago comedy scene now. I don't know who the players are. I don't know where the mics are, but like there was this overwhelming. And I mean, I felt prey to it too. Uh, this idea of you got to be hitting five mics a night and oh, Jesus. you got to be making the rounds. And I did, I, I would, I did that for a long time where, you know, I was hitting every mic going up doing six or seven sets a night, you know, and it pays off to a degree. Your comedy doesn't get better. There's, there's the worst possible place on earth to work on your comedy is an open mic. Mm-hmm. It's, really? It is. It's terrible because you're performing to a room full of comedians, which means they're not listening to you. They don't care. They're waiting for their stage time and they're the worst judge of anybody else's material. Huh. Right. And, and also when you, especially when you're starting to get paid in comedy, like you're starting to get booked and do casinos and, and clubs and whatnot, you're not performing in Chicago. You're performing in Indianapolis or Muskegon, Michigan. And what, what may work in a room full of quasi stand-up comedians in Chicago is never going to work anywhere else. Yep. So I know that it's been a while for you to like, for, for you to do a, a stand-up um, set, Dan? Oh, but, but, I mean, before we go, yeah. I, I, I want to, the reason I brought that up is when I got to a point where I was like, this is fucking stupid. I'm not, I'm, it's a waste of my time to be out until three in the morning, every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. I'm not doing this anymore. That's comedy turned a corner. My comedy got better. I stopped there, there, you know, I stopped being a sponge for the comedy scene negativity Uh and I started getting booked. That's funny. You know, that's a huge part of it too, is that culture. I feel like if you are able to be successful and stay on the outskirts of it a bit, you're better. I think with any industry, whether that's comedy or actors getting together and the comedy industry in particular, you've got those personalities that are very difficult. Sometimes everyone's trying to one-up each other. Yeah. And I don't feel like it's as 
during COVID, I've heard a lot of people say about all Chicago actors, comedians, oh, we're banding together in this. I don't really get that from comedy in general. I've always felt like there's people that feel like they're above other people. And I just don't think that that cultivates a good energy. That absolutely exists. I mean, I will say I do still have friends in the Chicago comedy scene, if you want to call it a scene, all younger than me, you know, still doing it. And from what I can see, it is a way cooler crop of people than it was 10 years ago. 10 years ago, it was, it was pretty cutthroat, pretty negative um, and uh, really condescending, you know, and, um, and, you know, there were, there were a lot of just horrifying people involved and were in the position of being like gatekeepers, you know, but Edgar, what were you going to ask? I was going to ask when was, I know Emily's still, uh, still doing comedy, but since, since COVID you have, you probably haven't done much, right? When was the last no. time you, you, you did a, you did a set? Um, wow. I mean, it's, it's something I dabble in Edgar. It's not consistent. I would say probably October of last year. Okay. I mean, it's something where I would do open mics and then I did, um, I did a course with the Lincoln Lodge, which, um, his name is going to completely leave me. Titus Burgess. Is that right? Oh yes. Titus Burgess. Burgess yeah. yeah. He's a name that came out of there. I um I just feel like for me it's something that I've I, I can't ever see myself dedicating a ton of time to it to make it my career. Mm. But I do like that idea of dropping in. Again, I don't think it improves mm. your comedy, the mic night open mic nights. But I think that I like that idea of being someone anonymous, making people laugh, hopefully landing most mm. of not all of my jokes mm-hmm. and then being like, all right, peace out. See ya. Yeah. I am not the type to get into that. Suddenly you're hooking up with people and you're friends with this one. And you're mm-hmm. got a weird relationship with this girl who doesn't like you. I don't like the like <laughs> of anything yeah. in that comedy yeah. or anything else. I don't like the bullshit kissing ass. This is another example of something that like, I feel like when we were talking about earlier about how to be gracious with people, I've always tried to do that in my life as much as possible. And when it comes to work, I've always been myself. I've never once put on a false face. That's just not my style. Maybe it's hurt me in some areas because I am not playing to certain personalities. But at the end of the day, I'm happy with myself and how I've approached Mm. the situation. So that's good enough for me. I would say that that's true of both of you guys. Like, like I think it's one of the reasons why I like hanging out with you guys is because neither of you guys have, you know bullshitters like you guys are are the way you are no oh i can't where you are eh, well, that's i do oh, have that that i do have a degree in public that relations. <laughs> yeah well yeah currently that's what i i'm part of my i'm part of public relations and my in some part of my role in my with my wider team and I just think that, yes, I can do it. I don't <laughs> like doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so when I was in college, I was dating this girl and uh, I, I ended up breaking up with her. Right. And it, it was one of those things that it was kind of like shocking to me. It, it didn't need to be all, it wasn't a long relationship. Right. And, and it like, didn't need to be so dramatic as it was, but like I, I, I broke up with her 
And she was like, it's like you're a trained liar. And I was like, oh, so you get it. Because I was studying, because like I was studying public relations. And and one of the reasons I broke up with me, she used to tell me all the time, like, you're studying to be a bullshit artist. And then when I broke up with her, she's like, you're like a trained liar. That is very dramatic, I have to say. It's usually the shorter relationships where you get the crazies who flip out, not the people you've been dating for three years who are like, yeah, this isn't working out. We should just break up. (laughs) You date someone for three weeks and it's like, you've crushed my soul. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Settle down. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, Edgar, Edgar. So I have to jump off in about 10, 15 minutes. So let's talk about what your uh goals are here okay so my goals are a little um kind of resolution my resolutions yes my resolutions like one of the things that i kind of want to do is just i just kind of want to i've mentioned this before and i'm already kind of doing it and i kind of i like i i feel that when i have someone on and i've noticed that i do this in other in other arenas but when i when I talk, I'm not being honest to who I really am. I kind of play up to the person that I'm speaking to. So if you're, if you're a fighter, I'm going to pretend to be more of a fighter. If you're a, if you're a, you know, public relations expert, I'm going to pretend to be more of a public relations person. I I, I keep doing these things where I kind of, I, I, I'm morphing into the person I'm talking to and I, don't like that about myself because um, I hear it in the podcast. Sometimes I, I hear myself speak and I'm like, who the hell is that? Like, that's not, you know, like I, it's different if I grew into someone, like I became, oh, okay. I've learned a few things. And I am now, I can say that I feel worthy of, of being able to speak to something like I know what I'm talking about, but there are moments where I feel like I am, I am lying basically. And I don't, like that about myself i've i've i do it in in i do it in professional settings as well and i don't like it then and and i and it's not like i'm lying like this big lie you know i'm not saying oh you have a Maserati too so do i you know i'm not doing stuff like that it's just like i'm just i'm i'm lying i'm going too far like i'm trying to i'm trying to say that i understand the person but then i i just kind of take it too far and I, I, I need to kind of control that. I need to kind of stay true to who I am. And one of the examples that, I, that I've mentioned to Dan is that when I have my cousin Danny on here, although we came from the same neighborhoods and stuff and had similar experiences, my experiences are not as similar, the same as his. So I come, so he comes up with this big tough guy story. And I try to come up with a big tough guy story from the street too. You know, and it's just like, that's not, that's not really low level form of like imposter syndrome i think <laughs> i think that's basically yeah <laughs> i don't mean like a full-blown because yeah. i feel like people who really have full-blown imposter syndrome i feel bad for those people we all uh-huh. have those moments, but you know when the moment goes away when you talk to someone who talks like they know exactly what they're talking about and you yeah. realize don't and you're like yeah. you're full of shit yeah, yeah. i don't think i have you feel better about your knowledge you have and then yeah. you can go oh i uh, mean you don't you shouldn't always feel the need to build yourself up and also uh, some of those people that are building themselves up 
feel the need to do that because they aren't comfortable with themselves. You don't yeah. have to match that. You don't have to match it. Yeah. And, and I don't know where it's coming from. Uh, I, I, I know I don't need to. Like, I know I don't need to do that, but it's not, uh, it's not as bad as, as it, cause it's not, I don't think it's apparent to people, you know, but it almost sounds like oh, a story and- thing too, because I have a friend who would tell story. Like I would tell a story and then she would tell a story, but it was like another story about us uh-huh. and I'm hearing her tell it. And I'm like, she's totally exaggerating. Embellishment. All yeah. Yeah. Funny. And I'm like, it's fine if someone needs to do that, but you don't have to do that yourself. Yeah. You don't yeah. have to match yeah. level someone else is taking something. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I, I don't, yeah. um, that's that's part of kind of what I'm realizing. So like, I know they don't need to do that. And so I'm, I'm dealing with it. Um, I don't know where it's coming from. Oh, I, I know what you're talking about though. And it comes from, for me, cause like I'll, I'll be doing it. And, and I don't know about you, it's like, I'll be, 100% cognizant of it while I'm doing it. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden I go into like being John Malkovich mode where it's like, I'm watching myself and it's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? What are you even talking about? Stop, stop, yeah, stop. Yeah. And then you don't stop. You just keep going. Yeah. And you dig in the hole. You're just yeah. digging yourself this, in the you hole. You know what? This sounds, like, this sounds like how there's a comedian from the show, The League, who falsely told people- yeah. When he was a comedian, that he was in the 9-11 towers. Oh no, died. yeah, yeah. No. He said he worked there and he escaped. But yeah. when he talked about how it got to that point of him lying, I understood that it was completely sure. wrong. But I understood how someone takes it because you feel like you want to have as good a story as someone else yeah. and take things too far. And man, yeah. that's about as far wrong as you can take something. Yeah. I think I think it might have came from you like talk- like you've dug yourself into the hole so far that you, the only way out you can see is keep digging. Yeah. You know? No, I, I, I can see where it maybe came up from. It came from like maybe one up, a, one upping a person. So maybe by stopping to try and the, you know, from telling better stories yeah. than the next person, maybe I could stop it. Maybe that's where it's coming from. Uh, I'm sure Dan has seen a lot of that because comedians are always trying to one up each other. But if it's true, yeah. it's okay. You know, like, well, I, I guess it's not okay to try to one up anyone anyway. But you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're having a back and forth, that's that's different. You're telling stories. It's it's fun. And I think that's what I was trying to do just in general uh, when I do this. I think I just kind of want to, you know, say, hey, you know, I'm one of you guys too, you know? And I, I, I just yeah. don't need to do that. I don't need to. Love s- yourself, Edgar. It's okay <laughs> to love yourself as you are. <laughs> I, I have a feeling you've been practicing self-love this entire podcast. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I, For if, it, if it's worth anything to you, I, in all the podcasts I've done with you, I haven't felt that coming from you, but uh-huh. that's probably because you're playing down to me as opposed to trying to play up. I think, I think I play, I play up to everyone. Everyone is always, I'm always playing up. I feel like you're a very grounding, you have a grounding voice. You have a very like calming effect. Whereas I've got my loud nasal high pitch thing going on, which I'm sorry, guys, this is my voice. And we all have different personalities and you just don't have to feel the need to match someone or to one up them Uh because at the end of the day, you're going to have a great story to tell too. I mean, you shouldn't have to create a fake story in order to, you know, well, uh, uh, or embellish you know? I, I have to say that uh, when you guys are on, I, I give up trying to be funny because you guys are 
the funniest people on the podcast for sure. So I like for sure. I just I'm just gonna sit here and let you guys have all the laughs. laughs. Yeah. For the, for those who can't see Emily's, you know, doing the twirly finger the thing. <laughs> oh, cool! I just won the funniest person on the flow roll podcast. That yeah. in two twenty five will get you on a bus. There you go. Maybe maybe half a person who's listening to me. You know, and it's again. I have uh, someone has pressed. 70 70 times on this podcast to, to listen Rock to it this week roll. so is it, I mean, is it is it our co-workers that know about it and maybe i don't know your mom or something <laughs> uh, my mom my mom probably won't listen to this because it's not in spanish but god forbid if i ever do one in spanish she'll be listening to it <laughs> oh, oh, oh. i so, would love that oh no awesome. the comments that would come from her maybe that's why i have a complex you know it's like oh son you know that, that was that was i know you're trying to be funny but you're not you know don't try so hard yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just, so <clears throat> the first time my dad ever came to see me do stand up right oh jesus was at zany's and zany's used to do this uh every every monday uh tuesday night they would do uh i can't remember what they called it but they would do a showcase like the up and coming showcase and it was the first time my dad ever came and saw me do comedy. And afterwards I was riding, like I went back to their house and I was riding in the car with my dad and the whole way home, my dad didn't say a word about my performance and spent the whole time talking about my friend, Nate. And he was like, wow, Nate's really got good timing. Oh, you know, he's, he's just on the ball. And I'm sitting there like, thanks dad. That's this sounds like my awesome. mom, exactly like my mom. And also my mother, uh, she doesn't subscribe to my form of comedy, let's say. Um, whereas someone like Edgar laughs at a lot of the things I say, my mom's usually like, yeah, that's annoying. <laughs> it's just, she keeps me very grounded in my life. Wow, I can't yeah. believe that crap. She always is... supported me, like, especially... Uh -huh acting endeavors she's always supported me but like my sense of humor sometimes with her gets a little too dry or sarcastic and she's like can you just stop now are you serious <laughs> oh yeah all the time she's yeah. like you're not everyone's cup of tea emily <laughs> that's brutal <laughs> that's how that's that's i want to say that's healthy but i mean it's crushing I mean, at the same yeah, time. and again she's come to my theatrical she's come to my comedy show she she loves me, but she definitely keeps me in my place. I was not one of those kids that was told that I was a unique little snowflake. Let's put it that way. No. Wow. That would be, I, do you think that maybe that's where you like, you possibly think that you should try harder to be funny or something or? Oh God, no, I don't try. I'm just naturally funny. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, my, and my, humble, very, and humble. very humble. Yes, yes. If anything, if anything else, I am very humble. No, but I, I really do feel like she fostered a nice. Um, she fostered in me the ability to do whatever I want to do. But she and she would give me the flowers and she'd tell her friends she's so proud of me. But she's we never have that relationship where it's like lovey dovey and like oh baby you're the best at everything you can do anything uh -huh. that you're mind to it's just not her pop personality and that's okay because that's not my personality either so well i mean not mm -hmm. to give away too much about your mom but your mom's a cop right so i mean she's a retired retired cop but yeah, yeah. she's a tougher she's a tougher lady let's and plus my, my dad died when i was a toddler and she was a single mom with two kids she's a tough lady she's not um 
the mom that's constantly hugging you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't feel like I lost out in life because my right. mom attacked. I'd rather have her the way she is. And by yeah. the way, we have yeah. a very close relationship than those moms that are like breathing down your neck and hugging you all the time. No, yeah. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. That's don't interesting. Please don't hug me anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Spikes come out. Yeah. Well, we were talking about that. Um, someone from work and I were talking about that idea of all these creative I th- uh, things we could come up with for walking around in public during the pandemic from like a giant bubble to all these different, you know, kind of floaty type things just to keep people at a distance. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, well, I need to jump off, guys, if you want to keep going. It was great chatting. And then um, just to say Happy New Year and... While the next couple months probably won't yeah. be great, let's here's hoping the months after it are better. <laughs> yep. I well, hear sticking with <laughs> sticking with my uh, my resolution. Thanks for doing the podcast with me. <laughs> it's coming from a sincere a, a standpoint of sincerity. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. We that appreciate you. Really, really sincere. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, wait, I should just say goodbye in the most passive aggressive way. <laughs> right. Ever. Yeah. This has been lovely, guys. Um, yeah, just keep doing you and you know, your <laughs> so great. I only see good things in both of your futures. Oh, thank you for looking in that crystal ball for us. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Anytime. All right, guys. I'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. Thanks so see much. Ya. Bye. See that's that's funny because this has always been something that I've dealt with. People, for some reason, when I'm being sincere, they think I'm being a smart ass. <laughs> when, it, it, like it's always when I'm trying to be sincere where people uh-huh. are like, are you fucking with me? Because <laughs> if you're fucking with me, that's really cruel. And it's like, no, I'm, I'm trying to be sincere. Yeah, no, she's. She's gonna be yeah, I know she I know you're you're trying to be sincere and she knows it too, but you know, she's a comedian. She's gotta be funny. You can't you can't you know can't she can't help herself, right? She's gotta be she's gotta be who she is. She's funny. She is funny. Yeah, she's fun. So, so um yeah, so anyway, that was my spiel. I, I, got, no, I, I got I got a few more things like I was thinking about. Um I I, I need to, you know, and it's all like your your run of the mill stuff that you find on on a new year's list yeah or a new year's yeah. resolution list it's like you know lose weight read right more, yeah stuff like that but one of the other things i wanted to do was like uh i wanted to kind of journal start journaling but for a specific reason and it's to kind of have us a, a process to kind of flush out thoughts a little more you know what i'm saying so they don't want to especially you know when you I, need you need to keep a journal next to the toilet. Ah, see, well, that's where I do most of my thinking. See? <laughs> Ba-dum-bum. Thank oldest, you, thank you. Oldest, worst joke in the in the universe. Thank you, thank you. I'll be here all week. Anyway, um, so what else you got on your list? Well, no, I want to hear more about this journaling. Like, what, uh, what, what do you mean? Like, you want to... Well, it, it's, it's for the podcast in general. Um, I kind of want to start being more thought out about what I'm saying on here, a little more responsible, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I want to make sure that what I say makes sense. I want to, I want to have these, 
And I think I think one of the reasons I, I come up, I'm I'm thinking about this is because I need to have certain patterns of or certain phrases kind of already worked out in my head so that yeah. when I need to access them, I I have them there and I can just spit them out. Because part of the problem with this podcast for me is I need to work on like my speech patterns. Sure. Uh, so that's one of the reasons I need I to will do that. warn you that you're going down a slippery slope because if you spend too much time thinking about this stuff, two things are going to happen. And I can tell you this from doing stand up because I used to watch my recordings of myself to be like, where do I need to polish? What do I need to do? And there's a slippery slope there. Like, it, yeah, listening to yourself is important, but if you go too far down the road of, I want to make sure that I improve my speech patterns or my, my cadence, my enunciation or, or the patterns in which I speak, you know, all of a sudden, everything you do starts sounding rehearsed. Yeah. And all of a sudden you turn into this guy, you know, I don't want to be that guy. You kind of, you lose, if you spend too much time worrying about that stuff, you lose the sincerity. And, uh, but, but that being said, like, yeah, I mean, I listen to myself. I listen to these podcasts and I, most of the time think, Jesus, I'm an idiot, you know? Yeah. Uh, But, uh, you know, um, be careful, I guess is what I'm saying. I, and this is why I bring it up to you because I know that you've probably already gone through this and you probably already have a process, not like journaling, but you have a process where you write down jokes and you kind of think things out and you know how you're going to say it and have certain ways of saying things to kind of express ideas. And I need a process like that, but I definitely do not want to sound rehearsed. Yeah, I don't want to sound rehearsed, but I also want to sound less like an idiot <laughs> you know what i'm saying you know i think we both i'm gonna go out on a limb here and i'm gonna say we both sound less like idiots than we think we do <laughs> no um, i i feel like i sound like an idiot all the time no you don't okay well, i thank- mean you do right now but <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, well, thank, thank you for answering so quickly by the way yeah. uh but um no, I mean it's of course you want to get better at everything, right? You, yeah. You can, spirit of continuous improvement, you know, and I I applaud that. Yeah. And I know you know when when you ask me to do podcasts with you, we come up with a topic. Like I do sit down, like I I do an absurd amount of homework. The one I didn't do almost any homework on was aliens. I did almost no homework on that. That is that was true for me. I did some you know, homework. But it was definitely the one that I did the least research on. Uh, I still did research, but not nearly as much. I didn't have the time. Uh, the last few podcasts have been rough, uh, mostly because uh, work has been so demanding, yeah. and I have not had the time to spend on pre- preparation. So that, sure. that, that's that's another thing I kind of need to kind of. I guess I guess my my resolutions kind of revolve around a little bit of the podcast, I, and I I don't. I don't know what I want to do with that. So like, I don't know if, if, if the podcast will go anywhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I should care. Uh, I, 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 I want it to go somewhere. Um, but I, you know, realistically, well, realistically, yeah, where's it, where's it going to go? I, I don't know. 
and and right now where it's going is it's something that we do because we're having fun with it right i i enjoy doing this podcast this podcast doing with you is one of the primary things that that has kept me from going insane during covid is just sitting down and and having a scheduled conversation once or even twice a week depending you know and talking to somebody that I genuinely love, you know, like it's, it's important. And, you know, I think for right now, that's a good enough reason to keep doing it. You know? Yeah, yeah for sure. I, I mean, I love all you guys. I, I, you know, Emily, you, what, what was that weird sound? I, th- uh, I, thought I, heard, I heard it off. I heard, I heard a weird thing. There was a weird, like, woo. Yeah. I don't know what that was. Maybe it was a spaceship. But it landing. stopped now. Yeah, maybe it's the aliens maybe coming down. Tell tell me how much of an idiot I am. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, I just finished that podcast too. I just finished editing it, so it's like sitting there, ready to get uploaded. I'm gonna open. Nice. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna upload it as soon as we're done here. But yeah, no, I mean, like, I love all you guys. All you guys have been like a, a definitely a beacon for me. Um, in terms of like a focus, you know, and uh, a place to kind of go. I, I mean, you know, outside of the before before the pandemic, I mean, I had I had jujitsu. Go to jujitsu. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a purple ball. I teach a class here and there. You know, and that was my focus. That's where I went to kind of like, you know, spend time with people. And then the pandemic happened and then I was like, not talking to anyone. Yeah. And I didn't realize how much I need people, you know? Yeah. I I like to think that I'm pretty like resilient that I can, I can be alone, you know, and that I don't, you know, that I, if, if things got really bad and I ended up by myself that I would be okay. And, um, and I'm sure I wouldn't like fall into some kind of weird place and deep depression and stuff like that. I, I would like to think that I would be resilient, but to have a podcast like this, I think it's proof that people need people. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I mean, I needed something like this. I need something like this. Uh, I think, and I'm, I'm glad that, that you said yes when I when I asked if you wanted to do this with me because, I mean, back in the day we always used to kick, kick around this yeah. idea, you know. Yeah, I remember. You know, we used to go to lunch. I think we've talked about this. We used to go to lunch and just record our conversations during lunch. I still have some of them. I go back and listen to. Them. They're ridiculous. Yeah. We should have done a podcast. We should have done a podcast. We should have done it all along. We we didn't have the knowledge or the technology, maybe. Mm-hmm. To kind of do it like we are doing it now, because you live pretty far from me. Yeah. But if if but if we would have figured out a way where we could do this, like you know, like well, and doing- I think this wasn't especially back then, you know, like where you could do like the duplex sound and and record, um, w- without having a mixing board, you know, like I th- I think it wasn't as accessible, right? Probably not. So I think that's a big difference. Yeah, this 
this the software we're using all that stuff it's super it makes it super super easy yeah and 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 that's another reason why this is even possible because uh i've when i started this podcast you know i had a guest two two mics mm-hmm. two computers and then i'm hitting and, and then I'm, I'm mixing them after the fact yeah this um i don't have to do any of that i cut the ends off i throw it up boom mm-hmm. we're good to go Mm-hmm. You know, it, it makes it makes it possible. Um, the longest the longest thing that takes for me to in the editing process to do this is the intro and outro to this, because I will fuck that up, dude. I'm sitting there. All yeah. right. This is that group. Yeah. Ah, and I fuck and you'll, you'll fuck it up like two minutes into it. Right. The, and the first word I usually like, and, it's and like, you'll fuck it up in such a way because, man, when I used to try to edit shit. Uh, you'll fuck it up in such a way where you can't just like cut it out and tie it to something else. Right. Yeah. No, you fuck it up and then you have to start it over and it's like, okay, maybe the intro is two minutes long, but you do that 10 times and you're talking about an hour because it's not just 20 minutes of recording, 20 minutes of recording, then going back and listening to it, then mixing it down. Like it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. It's a pain in the ass. And then like, like you listen to it once, you put or, it together, and yeah. you're like, "Ah, oh, this sounds so fucking fake." Right? Yeah. You know? or, so you, or like if, like you were saying before, where you would have two computers, two mics, and you'd have to mix it down, ugh. and then like you have to like equalize the volume, you know. And the thing is, like the thing that you can't discount is you have to spend the time. If so, if you if you record a two hour podcast that way, you have to spend the time to listen to both audio tracks all the way through, right? Yep. It's it's nuts. It's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to do it that way. I I can't I can't do it that way. It's just too much too much work. Well, yeah. and, and then one and one computer had a there was just some kind of anomaly or something on one machine so then as we were recording one was recording more sound than the other. Yeah. And so then when I put them together uh there was like 2 minutes like the overall length was two, there was a two minute difference. And so then you had to figure out to sync them. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got to go through and not just like equalize the volume between the two tracks guaranteed, since you're using two different computers and two different mics, one of the tracks needs, you need to clean them up individually so that they sound similar. Yep. And ain't, ain't either of us sound techs, right? Like, Nope. Nope. So, I mean, I have I have a little tiny, tiny bit of knowledge. And when right. I say tiny bit, that means I yeah. know how to put it in the fucking computer and spit out a wave file. That's right. all I know. <laughs> it's like like I, I know how to use sound edit, right? Yeah. Obviously. Like I know how to use the software. I've said this for years, right? Like certain kinds of software, sound editing software, video editing software, photo editing software, and design software. When they they call it, you you have to have a license for that software. There should be a fucking test you have to take in order to get your license because the number of people that I have worked with over the course of my career who are like, oh, I have InDesign or I have Photoshop. Yeah, but do you fucking know how to use it? Having it and knowing how to use it are two completely different things. Absolutely. And I have it. Mm -hmm. I do not know how to use it. I I own for the most part. I'm I'm like a crazy wizard person anymore because I've been doing it for so long with with Photoshop InDesign and Illustrator, but like 
and Premiere, I can stumble my way around in Premiere. Sound Edit, I can stumble my way around, you know, but I would, it would be an outright lie for me to say I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't, I, I, I know enough to get this done. Yeah. That's, that's, that's all. And, and what you hear is proof, right? (laughs) Of, of my lack of knowledge or my, wealth of knowledge, whatever you want to, however you want to, you know, spin it. Yeah. But, right. um, but yeah, I don't know, man. So what else you got on your plate in terms of, I got, love? I got one more, one more. Um, and it's a good one to end on, I think. Okay. Cause it's very simple. It's very simple sounding, but it's another one that, that kind of comes from the introspection that, that I have gone through over the last year and a half now. Um, and you know, when, when my partner died, one of the things that I really got stuck in is thinking about all of the horrible shit that, um, that I did when, when we, over the years that we were together. And I mean, there, there were uh, like, I'll own up. There were times that I was monstrous, you know, like not abusive you know i never cheated on her or anything like that but you know emotionally really inconsiderate or uh, just um selfish and i uh, i think for 2021 like i have to make it a resolution to do fewer things that i have to apologize for later hmm. do fewer things that and and when i say fewer things that i have to apologize for later i don't mean like the the old um saying of uh don't ask for permission you know it's easier it's better to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission right you know that saying yeah right i don't mean that i don't mean like doing shit that needs to get done and then saying sorry about it later i mean like doing fewer things that hurt people you know doing fewer things that do, does nobody any good and that I have to genuinely out of regret apologize for that's that's my second resolution I I understand what you're talking about I just don't see how you can avoid messing up uh it's gonna hey, happen but that's it you know it's a resolution that's why it's do fewer things not do mm. no things right yeah yeah because there there are plenty of times where you do you say something mean you yeah. know you you do something awful you 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 behave in a selfish way right where you don't need to and you know you're doing it you yeah. know you you know you're doing it in the moment there's plenty of those times where, you know, all it would take is a few seconds of, hold on, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. This I'm going to, you know, uh, and, and now I'm old enough and I'm wise enough finally to be able to recognize when I'm doing those things, you know? And, you know, there've been times in the past year dealing with my stepson where it's like, I, I have, you know, said things or done things that are, you know, destructive, you know, destructive as opposed to constructive, you know, um, losing my temper and shouting about stupid things, you know, or trying to use guilt as a motivator or, you know what I mean? Like shit that doesn't need to happen. Yeah. And, uh, and I think 
just like I think we would all do better to be more grateful and demonstrative about our gratefulness and our gratitude, we would all do better to be able to catch ourselves when we're really behaving like shitheads, you know? Yeah, I, I, I hear you. Um, just, I, I just want you to know that, uh, that uh, I'm sure your, your wife, your, your partner, she's, you know, she's looking down on you and she's not thinking about, you know, all the things you did wrong. Well, I certainly hope so. You know, she's, and, and that's, that's, you know, she wouldn't, she wouldn't have been with you all this time. And I, I mean, I tell myself that every day, you know, every time one of those things pops in my mind, like, Oh my God, I can't believe I did that. Or, you know, I can't believe I said that. And it pops in my head and it's like, dude, she wouldn't have been with you if you were the kind of monster that you're thinking you were, you know? Yeah. Um, and you know, this isn't coming out of a guilt place. This, I, I feel like, like this is coming out of a genuine desire to be a more healthy, more productive, more constructive human being. Okay. Right? You know, that's where this is coming from. It's not coming from uh, like a, Oh, I, I missed my opportunity to do better by her type of thing. You know, okay. like it's coming from a, I can be a better person. Yeah. You know, and one of the ways I can be a better person is, be more in touch with how I'm behaving and what I'm saying, the words that are coming out of my mouth and uh, the be, be more um, accountable to my effect on other people's feelings. And I mean, you know, we, people really have a hard time with, you know, all this snowflake talk and, Oh, did I hurt your feelings? And it's like, you know, it's worth considering Cause we live in a world where other people also live, you know, yeah. it's not silly. It's not a silly thing to consider other people's feelings. I, and, and I don't understand why it's become a silly thing. Why the whole idea of compassion and empathy is seen as weakness or silliness. I don't know why that is. It, it's taken, it's taken, the, um, it, it's taken as a form of weakness uh, and uh, people, and also the fact that it there might it's funny because the people who are saying this are, are not grounded in science to begin with, but it it it's kind of like well it's not reality based it's feeling based. Well, some of the shit that I hear come out of your mouth isn't reality uh, yeah. based either. So well, and but it's I just tell you what feelings are fucking real. Well, let's just put it this way: if you say something that pisses me off and it makes me want to punch you in the face, how real is getting punched in the face? You know, like yeah. Uh, and it's just like, uh, I, th I think it was Benjamin Franklin who said that, you know, one of the reasons you got to have these meetings with people in the same room and I'm paraphrasing, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just you know, it's a direct quote. One, no, of the, no, no, one no. of the reasons you got to have meetings is yeah. like, so like you can in, punch people in the face you know? in calligraphy on parchment. <laughs> one of the meeting reasons you got to have these meetings <laughs> You see, this is the part I expected and I did not get right away. Like this. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? Why are these guys being so serious? I was waiting for you fuckers to roast me. <laughs> and neither of you assholes roasted me until the, now. Until the best <laughs> always comes at the end. Look at the tiger group. This is like, <laughs> like it's, it's what I expected from the very beginning. I was like, oh, when I brought this up, I brought this up. To you guys and i'm like i know the moment anyone opens my mouth opens their mouth 
I'm going to get roasted. And not a single, like maybe, you know, Emily said a couple of things, but for the most part, you guys behaved yourself and I was disappointed. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, I was disappointed. <laughs> I was expecting to be roasted and it well, never fucking happened. <laughs> Thank you for being sincere in your in your criticism. Well, Jesus Christ. Well, you know, it was it was like I, I, I waited for it like the first fucking hour of and it never fucking came. I finally let my guard down and then bam. <laughs> I finally I was I wasn't fucking ready for it, is what I'm saying. <laughs> you hurt my right. fucking feelings, Dan. <laughs> Well, fuck. It's not 2021 yet, so I don't have to live up to the way <laughs> Yeah. So wait, okay, so what did Ben Franklin say? Uh, fuck. Uh, shit. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So Ben Franklin was just like, yo, one of the reasons you have these fucking meetings. You see, now the shit that I was going to say is not funny anymore. I had a, I had a little bit of a punchline, and then you fucking you ball hog the motherfucker. <laughs> It was something to the effect that like you say something fucked up, I'm gonna punch you in the face, and you wouldn't say that if 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 you you wouldn't say something offensive to me, you know. And this is coming from Ben Franklin, who's everybody knows is a learned, you know, historical figure. But now it doesn't have the same fucking punch, you know. Oh God, fucker. <sighs> oh shit. <sighs> Oh shit! Oh man! Yeah, yeah. This is this is the kind of shit. That... <laughs> I believe it was Ben Franklin who said, "You hurt my feelings. I'm gonna punch you in the fucking head." Yeah, I'll punch you in the fucking head. Yeah, <laughs> he said it just like that. Fuck the paraphrasing. It's a direct quote. Hey, you remember what I said about Greece, right? Well, People have always been profane. Uh, yeah, that's right. You got really animated about that one too. Yeah, Weird. got all aggro about. I was just like, dude, what's up? <laughs> you got so she got so emotional about Greece. <laughs> I'll tell you why I know how they speak. Because <laughs> I was there. <laughs> I was there. I'm a lot older than you think I am. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah, man. I don't know. Well, that was great. Um uh. I was, you know, it's funny. I was editing the the last one, and you have that fucking amazing tiger story. Yeah, yeah. I was I was hoping I was hoping for another tiger story. Do you have another another tiger story? I gave you the trained liar story. It's a lot shorter, but I think the punchline is sweeter. Yeah, it's just that 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 tiger story. All right, here, I'll give you since I talked about doing stand up. I'll give you a stand up story. All right, give us a stand up story. Gather around, children. And this is this is the story. This isn't the last time I performed comedy, right? But this is the time I performed comedy, and I realized I didn't want to do it anymore. Okay. Okay. It was the moment that I decided I was out. Right. Uh, I I was doing a a, a last minute fill in. Like as it happened, I didn't. I had a weekend that I wasn't booked out. And a comedian that I used to work with pretty frequently called me up and was like, listen, I had my feature act drop uh, and I got a show tonight in Indianapolis. Right. Do you, do you want to take the feature spot? You know, 
I'll, I'll pay for the gas money. You know, I'll give you money for gas. And, you know, it's however, whatever it was, it was like 250 bucks or 400 bucks, whatever it was. And I was like, fuck it, I'll, I'll do it. You know, it's a, what is that? About a three and a half hour drive. That's fine. And it was in February. And so as we're driving out there, all of the, um, all the weather is predicting like it's going to be horrible snow and, and, on the east side of the lake, they get snow way worse than we do, right? And so I'm I'm driving out there with this this comedian and thinking to myself, well, okay, at least you know I'm, I'm getting paid. He's going to give me gas money, and we got a hotel room, right? Or, or we each get a hotel room. We're not splitting, right? Uh-huh. But part of the gig is we get a ho- a hotel room for the night, you know. And so we're driving out there. And the weather's fine. And I'm starting to think like, okay, uh, maybe it'll hold out. So we go and do the show and I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. So there's a pretty standard format to stand up comedy. And for anybody who doesn't know, you have uh, an MC who opens up the show, does like five to 10 minutes. Um, Then you have a feature act who goes out and does half an hour. And then after the feature act, you have the headliner who does 45 minutes to an hour, right? That's kind of the standard gig. And so the MC goes up and it was some local from Indianapolis who just wasn't that great. And so the crowd was not in the mood when I took the stage. And I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not going to blame her for my shitty show because I, I was bombing, right? But like, uh, you know, it, anyway, so she goes up, you know, does her five to 10. I go out and I get through like the first 20 minutes of my set and I'm just like bombing. I, I, I didn't get a single laugh. Nothing landed. Oh, right? not, not a single thing. And it was a big show. This was like 500 seats. Right. Oh, um, and, and uh, crickets and crickets just crickets nothing i was doing was working and it made it even worse because that always happens when you're coming off of a string of really good shows right yeah i was coming off of a string of shows where i just couldn't fail and you know i'm in front of this this crowd of people in indianapolis and i just i can't make them laugh nothing i'm throwing everything and like it, it was to the point where like I was digging deep because like clearly the material I wasn't, I was using wasn't working. So I was digging deep into the catalog and pulling out stuff that I hadn't done in years, you know, just trying, trying to get a foothold. And finally, like at 20 minutes or something like, cause they, there was a big clock at the back of the auditorium that had a, a countdown so, so that you could, I could keep track of how long I was on stage, you know, and I'm looking at the clock and it's hits like 22 minutes and I'm just like, all right, you know, and I just start doing some crowd work. Like I spend like a minute, minute and a half just doing crowd work, trying to be like, look, I'm not finding you uh, or you're not finding me. I'm going to try to find you. And I start kind of trying to be playful with people in the audience. That's not working. Jesus. And, And finally, like, I just, I was like, and like my comedy was never really blue, never very dirty, you know, Yeah. but I had some dirty jokes and I was like, fuck it. You know what? I'm going to try. I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw it out there. And I had this really raunchy joke that I'm not proud of. 
uh, a, it was like a Burton Ernie rape joke. Right? <laughs> like, I so, think like, I, I know bad, that one. Right? I know I know that one. And it's it's bad. Like it's a joke that I would never perform on stage. You know, uh-huh. because it's it's bad. It's it's in poor taste. It's not my style of comedy. I don't even know how I wrote it. You know, uh-huh. I would go so far as to say it's actually a well-written bit it's it's, (laughs) it is good but it's not like my style Uh uh-huh and so i bust that out and it brings the fucking house down are you serious and it's like like a two and a half minute bit you know yeah and like like before i did the bit i got to the point where i was just like fucking sick of it fucking fed up with this fucking audience and i just like i stopped I stopped a joke that I was doing like right in the middle of the joke. And I was like, this isn't working. Everybody, could you just fucking boo me for 10 seconds? Cause I got a clock to tick down and I had them. I like asked them to boo me. Uh-huh. Right. And they booed me. And that's when I was like, all right, I'm going to whip out the Bert and Ernie joke. Right. And I whipped out this horrible, like offensive Bert and Ernie joke. It brought the fucking house down. And then I spent the rest of that time. I spent a good six or seven minutes after I did the Bert and Ernie joke, just berating them. Right? <laughs> like, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but there's a clip of Bill Burr just tearing the shit out of uh, an audience in Philadelphia. Yeah. Right? It was like that. Like it wasn't as funny as Bill Burr, but it was like, I was just, just berating them and just going to town. I'm like, okay, so now I know when I come to Indianapolis, don't do the smart jokes, do the Burton Ernie rape jokes. You fucking people are disgusting, you know? And like, and and I just ripped horror, like not even trying to be funny. Like I, I clearly like you're angry. I I don't know if it was community, if they were getting this off of me because they were dying. Like I, when I started just ripping and just tearing into them angry, Right. I was angry, not trying to be funny, like insulting them. They were dying. They were like pounding. Like there were people that I saw one guy who was like actually like dropped to his knees, like beating the, 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 the chair of the seat in front of him, you know? Wow. And and so like I ended the show on a high note in the in the in the sense that for six minutes, I got a real good, good uh, reaction out of him. But. Uh, it was, I got a real good reaction out of him by doing comedy. I didn't want to do, didn't find tasteful and then being angry and yelling at them. Right. And so I got off the stage, gave it over to the, uh, gave it over to the, uh, the headliner and, uh, just waited, waited it out in the room. And like, I'm thinking to myself, like what, and like, while I was on stage, when those people, what made me angry, right. What, what flipped me over from trying to be funny to just being angry was when I told the Bert and Ernie joke as a desperation move. And that's what got them. Right. Mm-hmm. And it made me fucking angry. Cause it's like, I gave you, I gave you 20 minutes of honest to God, good, well-written comedy, smart, smart jokes. Yeah. And I had to tell a joke about Bert rape and Ernie for it to get you to people to laugh. Uh-huh. You people are fucking gross. You're disgusting human beings. If that's what's going to break you open. And that's what pissed me off. And I remember thinking in that moment, why the fuck am I even doing this anymore? You know? And so I got off the stage, went to the green room, waited for the the show to end. And I was like, all right, so let's go back to the hotel. And he was like, you know, I would really rather head home tonight. Are you comfortable with that? Would you, 
would you be comfortable just driving home tonight? And I was like, dude, it's supposed to be a blizzard, you know? Yeah. Like we have a free hotel room. Why, why would you want to? And he like pushed it to the point where I was like, fucking, I guess I'm driving home now. You wow. Know? And we left and there was no snow coming down. And 20 minutes into the drive, the snow was coming down faster than the plows could, could, could keep up with it. And I it, like the snow was coming down so fast that it got to the point where I couldn't even get off the highway because the exits weren't plowed. And so it was just like, now I'm locked into this. I'm white knuckling it. It took, it took six hours to drive home from Indianapolis. And I got home and I, and it was like, and that particular winter, that was like the seventh blizzard that I drove to, to continue doing comedy. Right. Uh And when I got home, the guy didn't give me any gas money. And I was just like too tired to fight any more fights while we were driving through the book, the, the blizzard, the booker called us up to bitch about my set. Huh? Right. And I mean, I got, I got home and I was just like, I'm fucking done with this. Right. And because I had been getting tired of it, you know, uh-huh. I had been getting to a point, even though I had, had a real good stretch where I was doing well, you know, I was pleasing the crowds. It was like, I'm fucking tired of like, I, I was getting to a point where it's like everywhere you go, you're a stranger because even if you perform at the same club, like those people only see you maybe twice a year, you know? And like, I spent, I was spending so much time on the road that I would get home and my family would be like, so what do we even do? You know, because they're not used to me being around my relationships were suffering. I was getting to a point, like I said, where I was already kind of getting tired of doing stand up, And then I had this show where it's like, I was so mad at myself for busting out that like I would have felt better about myself if I had just stuck with the material that I was doing and not gotten any laughs. Then I, I went to a well I didn't want to go to. And that's what broke. Like I basically felt like I, I injured my own integrity to, to get laughs. Right. That, and think about that. Like I, I did material that I wasn't comfortable with and didn't like, because it was that important for me to just get one laugh. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that was like, I, I, I had several other shows booked out through the next couple of months. I did those shows, but that was the fucking night. That was the, the night of the Burton Ernie rape joke, followed by a shitty call from the booker followed by having to white knuckle my ass through six hours of blizzard and then getting stiffed on gas money. And that's, the, that's the microcosm of doing stand-up comedy right there. That that's all anybody needs to know about doing stand-up comedy. Like, yeah, killing it in front of a big crowd. There is no feeling better than that. But that night, the thing was, that's not even an outlier, right? That kind of experience happens far more frequently than, than the kind of experience that makes you walk away feeling energized. So um, I think one thing that you can kind of uh, maybe dissect and kind of take away from is is that talents like, you know, Chris Rock, Bill Burr, you know, all these, all these big names, the big names, 
not only did they weather some of these big kind of situations that they probably had to go through. And, and like you're saying pretty often, it, it speaks to kind of like the talent they may have, you know, the, 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 well, yeah. You know, it, I mean, it, it just shows how hard this really and, is. And it's not just a matter of they put in the work and they suffered through those nights. Like I did, like I said, that wasn't an outlier. I already had driven through seven blizzards that uh-huh. year. Right. You know, that just in February, I'd already driven through seven blizzards. Right. This is not an outlier. This is what stand up comedy life is like. Right. And when you you got a Chris Rock or a Bill Burr or a Brian Regan, whoever you want to put out there. Yeah. They they suffered through all that. Right. They put in that work. And the difference is it didn't kill them. It made them stronger. And they all, the difference is they're a lot fucking funnier than I am. I may have been a decent stand-up comedy, but I'm not Bill Burr and I'm, ne- I'm never going to be. I'm, that's just, I'm, I'm not that, I don't have that raw talent. And, you know, no matter how much I polished <clears throat> my talent, it was never going to be that, you know? So. Well, there's other, there's other factors too. Like what they gave up stuff. There are things that they gave up. Like look sure. at Kevin, look at Kevin Hart. You know, I believe he's, he has at least one divorce that he went through. Sure. You know, so it's not, it's not and an easy, you know, it's, it's not an easy task along with the talent. You yeah. Know? And I mean, they sacrificed a lot to get a lot. Right. Uh-huh. But I mean, I, I quit comedy. I quit doing it at a time when had I not done it, I would have lost. Ironically, I would have lost everything that I lost anyway. Right. I would have lost my partner. Uh, and I would have lost my stepson, you know, uh, it, it, like it, it wasn't necessarily going that way per se. Like, but I mean, I can tell you if I'd have kept doing it, the distance would have become insurmountable. Yeah. And you know, it, it really sucks that I lost that anyway. It really, really blows and wrecks me that I ended up losing that love anyway. But I also had several years of it because I gave up comedy that I wouldn't have had otherwise. So I I wouldn't have the relationship with my stepson now Mm -hmm. if I had not given up comedy. You know, I wouldn't have the relationship with uh, her, his grandmother. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I I wouldn't have the personal relationships that I have. And I can fairly guarantee you I wouldn't be a big name either, right? Had I stuck with it, I wouldn't be in that, in a Kevin Hart position, you know? Um, But, you know, I mean, these, it it takes a lot. You have to wade through mountains and swamps of shit to get where Bill Burr is. Well, also, also don't, I think, and you, you should also take this into account. You have memories with her memories that yeah. you would have missed out on and yeah. i have a whole uh, i i have a lifetime basically yeah you know? it was a short lifetime but i have i have a lifetime that i but, know i had because of the 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 one decent decision i made yeah right i i wouldn't you see like i don't know if you look back on in this decision and kind of regret any of it i know you probably don't but no. uh you you have 
in spite of the fact that you, you lost early. Anyway, you have way more in terms of memory. Yeah. And in, in terms of the time you spent with her and, and now your stepson than other people have. No, I, I and made the right investment. You know, I, absolutely I, made, did. I made an investment in myself in deciding to do stand up in the first place. And I got the returns on that investment. And the returns were not the returns that I would have expected. I'll put it that way. Uh-huh. And uh, I mean, they weren't bad returns. I got decent returns on that investment, but I traded that investment for an investment that ended up better for me. Yeah. Right. Uh, and that was a road I had to go down. You know, I wouldn't be the same person I am had I not gone down that road. I wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't have had the same kind of growth that I had, that I've had and uh, like to think that, the, the wisdom has come with that, you know? Um, and I, I guess like, I'm not trying to make stand up out to be something horrible. I mean, there are plenty of people out there who that's what they're made to do. I had to find out I'm not one of those people, you know? Um, and I don't think it it's for lack of talent because like I said, I had plenty of success, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's for, it's, I'm not that kind of person. That's not who I am. It's not correct to my identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I had to learn that by doing it. That's, that's it, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, there's certain paths that you you can only, you know, there's there's certain epiphanies you can only take when you take certain, you can only get when you get, when you take certain paths. You'll never, you'll never find that out unless you actually give it a, you know, give it a try. And uh, I mean, you've done more and gotten more than most people. Some people won't even take that swing, right? Some yeah. people won't even step up to the plate and try to, you know, say, hey, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I swung for the fences. I tilted at my windmills. I did it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And there's, there's no shame in that, you know? No, no. Um, I Like, I don't feel bad about it. <clears throat> um, I don't, surprisingly, I don't think about it all that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's not that big a part of my life, uh, which is weird considering I spent a long time, a long, a big number of years doing it, you know? Um, but it, I, it, it always strikes me as very interesting that sometimes something that you think is your dream is not your dream. And the only way you can figure that out is going in all in on it. Yeah. And it's a huge risk, man. I went all in on stand-up. I mean, I, I could you could not go more all in on something than I went on stand-up. And I don't regret it. I don't regret it one bit. If I was still doing it right now, you, I guarantee you I'd regret it. Hmm. You know, it's just, just some kind of like parallels I can't help to, to draw just in terms of like the beginning for, for this podcast. Because I don't know where it's going. And I don't know how serious I should take it. But like you said, we're having fun, and that's all I care about right now. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and and I, you know, I laugh at myself a little bit because I'm thinking like, what if, what if I get the Joe Rogan, or the the you know the the, or get picked up by yeah. something like Comedy Central, or some you know, or or get pulled into something right, and I get the big bucks. Yeah, you know, you dream, but like, how realistic is that shit? You know, like. Eh. You know, it's probably not, probably not realistic at all, you know, 
But right now I enjoy this, you know, mm-hmm. is it going anywhere? I don't know. As so long as you guys want to keep doing it with me, that's all I care about, you know, and I enjoy like just hanging out and hearing you guys, you know, crack on me and I get the crack on you guys <laughs> and we sit here and make each other laugh, you know? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure to try to crack on you a little harder. <laughs> that was not an invitation, motherfucker. <laughs> it sounded like an invitation. You play it back. <laughs> I'm going to edit that motherfucker out. <laughs> uh, but, so there's the story of, of when I knew it was time to quit doing stand-up. That's the night. It's not the last time I performed, but that is the night that I knew I was done. Is that the loss of, of the loss of whimsy that you've you've alluded to before? Uh, I mean, a little bit, yeah. I guess. I mean, it, it's think of it like it's the loss of a dream, and not in a real, not in like a, a devastating sense. Like in that, I thought this was my dream, and I had to, I had to go all in on it to figure out that I was wrong. You yeah. know, right? Like, yeah. Well, I mean, it's not, you know, and, and like, I don't feel like I lost anything. That's not what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't feel like a failure. I feel like if anything, I feel like, how could I have been so fucking wrong? Yeah. You know, uh, you can't do that either, but I mean, dreams change, you know? Well, I'll tell you, I mean, I don't, like I said, I don't spend a lot of time. Like I, I'm not hung up about it. I, yeah. I don't mind telling stories about it. I got plenty of fun stories from doing stand-up. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a cool thing to do and I'm glad I did it. You know, and I got to do a lot of fun things, um, but I don't dwell on it, you know? Yeah. I don't, I don't have, um, I mean, there are things that I, I wish I would have done. And, you know, I think about them every now and then, but now that I'm older, I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't think I would have been all that great at it. You know, like yeah. at one point, you know, when I was young, when I was 18, I wanted to go pro and be yeah. a, a professional fighter. That was one dream. Um, I wanted to be um, uh, an artist, an animator, you know, yeah. uh, found out how difficult that is. And it's difficult. It's like trying to like, sure. at least in the beginning, it was like trying to become a major league you know, baseball player. It's just like, sure. There was, I mean, there was one, one time I went to like this thing called the animation celebration. Right. Uh, I, I, I went from Chicago to LA and there was, I don't know, maybe 50, a hundred studios in one place, all these animation studios in LA in Hollywood that I could go to and show them my work. And yeah. I, I think I probably sucked yeah, uh, I probably sucked. I mean, I was a kid. I was like sure in college, right, or just right out of college, and I went from studio to studio. I started big too, bro. I went to, I went to Disney. I said, I'm oh, gonna, I'm gonna go Disney. Of course, you go to Disney. Of course, of course. You know, Disney is the only one worthy to take me. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So, so I, I go, I go I'm to a top tier talent. Fuck I'm yeah. Edgar Otraves, motherfucker. Yeah. Who, who the fuck are you? Yeah. How come you don't know who I am? You know. So I go and I, I, I stand in line for, for uh, the Disney interview, and and they're like, they're like processing hamburgers at this at this point, man. They're just yeah. they're taking one one guy. They flip through the pages like like they're you know, like flipping through a phone book. Mm -hmm. They flip through the pages of these people's artwork. And some of these guys are good. Like, like I looked at their work and I'm like, damn, that guy's 
good. Damn, was it like getting to the point where you didn't even want to show them? I didn't even want to show them. Like I was standing behind, like, yeah. and I would look at everybody's artwork because they'd be showing everybody, everybody would be showing each other. And I'd see the guy, five people in front of me, or I see the guy, you know, three people in front of me. And I would look at that artwork. And I was just like, God damn, that guy is good. You know? And then I would, like, I would be standing at the door watching the next guy get interviewed. And I see the, 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 the interviewer just open up the, the portfolio and just go, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Garbage, garbage. He wouldn't say garbage, but he'd be like, nah, nah. Yeah. yeah. And he just flipped through it. Like it was a magazine at the dentist yeah. office. He just flipped through it. And, 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 and to me being standing at the door, I was like, Oh shit. That's heartbreaking. You know, because you got this guy, you got, like, I could tell some of that artwork took weeks, right? Some of it, they they poured time into that, or they poured their soul into that, or they had some, like, really original, unique idea, and I saw it, and I thought it was great. And I would see person after person after person leave that room heartbroken. I was just mm-hmm. like, what the fuck? So by the time I got to the front of the line, I knew what to expect. But then in my head, I had went from they're gonna need me to like, oh, okay, well it's Disney. I I, I understand, yeah. right? Yeah. So they they looked at my stuff. They were like, went right through it. All right, sorry, no, yeah. no, thank you. But you yeah, know, we'll take your card or whatever. And I'm like, all right, so we'll like, put you, we'll put you in the Rolodex. Yeah, the fucking trash can, right? Yeah. And so I left that room and I said, that's fine. There's like 50, 100 houses in here. I can go to one. Someone's going to take me, right? But there was like, I don't know, 300, 400, 500 people there. You know, I was just like, there's the competition, first of all, was way above me, right? And then on top of that, there were so many of us. It was, it was, it was rough, bro. Cause it was like, sure, room after room after room, people saying, no, 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 Mm -hmm. no, 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 no. It was a day of no's, bro. A day of nose, and it became like two, three days of nose because it was like a convention or something. Yeah, and it, it was just no everywhere. Yeah, and I was like, oh. And then I realized, shit. Yeah. Not only do I suck, but there's a lot of me. There's a lot of people who suck too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I was like, fuck. And, and you realize, like, if you're if you're like me, in that moment. And it's a it's a miracle that I stuck with stand up because you realize, especially when you're just starting out. Mm-hmm. And when I say just starting out, I mean after you've spent a couple of years doing open mics and figuring out you might know what you're doing, you know, you start doing it for let's say for real, right? Yeah. And you realize how many, like just how shitty you actually are. And how many other yous there are, like you mm. just said. And then you get that realization of I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to be shitty at the bottom of the mountain for years. It's gonna take years. It's it's I'm gonna have to build up literally my own mountain of of work, mm-hmm. my own mountain of product, of content before I even get a chance. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. You know? It's amazing. I, mean, I did. I spent years doing it, right? Yeah. I spent years. And I mean, I think I guarantee you that you didn't decide you weren't going to do animation after that one thing. Oh, no. I guarantee you stuck with it. A hundred, a hundred no's was not enough for me. 
Okay, and it can't it. be, but and that's that's important, right? Yeah. And, and I think that we gotta, you know, both of us are sitting here as like what, like brokenhearted, not not successful in our dreams, whatever. That ain't that isn't the case. Number one, I don't think that's the case. But number two, like it you you have to be willing to accept that that's a possibility if you're going to chase your dream and and i mean dreams are worth chasing whether or not you get there whether or not you get there and you find out that's not what you want you know mm. they're worth chasing because if you don't chase them you're never going to feel fulfilled in anything you do but right yeah you're not going to be able to find fulfillment in whatever you end up wherever you end up landing if you didn't at least fucking try there was there was this interesting um i i can't remember what the movie was or what the documentary was but it was on channel 11 and i want to say it was uh, this is old show ah i can't remember but they 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 i think they aired like old they aired like uh, small time filmmakers, right? So they they had like mm-hmm. these, uh, oh, like, I can't remember. Anyway, I can't even remember the name of the show, but it was on Channel 11, uh, WTTW here in Chicago. And what they did was they took these uh, small time filmmakers and they would air their show on, on TV at certain times. Oh, I remember this show. Okay, go on. Yeah. And uh, I think at one point they interviewed either a musician for, for the film or it was a documentary in the show. Regardless, this musician was a, um, she wanted to be part of an orchestra or something. She wanted to be an or- orchestra player, mm-hmm. but she realized that she wasn't going, that she wasn't going to make it at one point. And one of the things that she said that kind of just kind of stuck me in the stomach was uh, she said, you know, you, you try real hard, you, you go after your dream, and then you get to a point where maybe you realize, you know what, this is not going to work out for me. And then your dream becomes your hobby, right? Right. And I don't say that um, dismiss- dismissively or, or kind of like in any kind of insulting or condescending way, because that's, that's where I am right? Like, and she said it, like, your dream becomes your hobby, and it becomes the thing that you use to kind of get you through the rest of your life, you know? And so that's what art and martial arts became for me. It's, Mm -hmm. it's the thing that kind of uh, I go to outside of work. I have my real job, which I'm happy with, which provides me all the things I need uh, to live uh, and then I have all the other things that kind of encompass my interests because I was never going to be a fighter. You know, I realized that mm-hmm. when I had a swollen face and it was lopsided, like my yeah. face, my face was lopsided. And a friend of mine came up to me and he's like, dude, like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? What am I doing? And it's just it's like your face is lopsided. 
I'm like, what? This is like, yeah, go look at your, go look at go the mirror. Go look in the mirror. You're, you have a, you, your, your face is swollen in a weird kind of way. And so I went and looked at it and he was right. Like I had, I had just managed to kind of gotten bruises in the right places to right. make, to make my face look misshapen or my head look misshapen. So I had a swelling up here and a swelling down here, like on my cheek and one on my forehead. And it made me look really weird. Look wrong. Yeah. So yeah. I looked in the mirror and then I came back and I sat down. I was just like, oh man, that kind of doesn't look right. Right. And he's, he sat down next to me and he said, what are you doing? He's like, you don't, you don't have to do this. He's like, well, are you, are you going to become a professional? Is that what you want to do? I was like, yeah, I would love to become a professional. And he's just like, well, look at this guy. Look at that guy. Look at where they're at. You know, like, is that what you want? Like, you don't know if you're going to make it, you know? And that, it, that was not the only thing that kind of deterred me, but that was one of the, one of the things, right? There was, it was a few things that kind of took me out of that dream. That was one, right? But that he sat down and told me, that was like, he was like, you're smart. You're going to school. You have money for school. You know, you're going to college. Yeah. Why are you bothering with this when you can probably make a decent living doing whatever you're going to do? And get not out. get a concussion every six weeks. Yeah, I, I didn't have that concept because I was like 18, right? right? I didn't have that understanding that I was that that even though I had examples of it in the in the gym, there was plenty of guys who had pugilistic dementia mm-hmm. walking around in the gym, but I, it was not registering in my head that you know eventually that could be me, you know. And so sitting there, kind of having my friend. Talk me out of this. It, you know, sometimes I look at it and I was like, well, what an asshole. And sometimes I look at it as like, thank God for that guy. Yeah. You know, sure. But because if I was really going to be a fighter, that little talk wouldn't have been enough. That's important. That is an important thing. Yeah. Like yeah. If, if it's really your dream. Yeah. There's not enough talking to put you out of it. It's nope. not, it's not possible. Either, either if it's really your dream and if somebody can talk you out of it, then it's not your dream. It's not your dream. And, and thankfully he came to me at a time where it wasn't too late. Yeah. Well, you would have figured it out eventually. I would like to think so. Or, or I would have broken something or ripped something because that's what ended up happening. I, I, I got some pretty bad injuries and I, and I couldn't take it any, I couldn't go mm-hmm. any further and it, and it kind of pulled me out of it. But um, at, at an inconvenient time. So I wouldn't have been able to have grown the way I needed to grow as, sure. a, as a fighter. Not that it was going to happen, but, you know, anyway, yeah. it happened at, at the at a time where it would have been awful. Right. Yeah. So anyway, like. Uh, but, yeah, if I was really going to be a fighter, that wouldn't have been enough. So I, I wasn't a fighter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. And, and it's good that you, you know, you realize that. But like you the only way you figured that out was by chasing the dream in the first place. I chased, I chased it a little bit. Like I didn't get that far. <laughs> I mean, I oh. got, th- I got three fights under my belt. I, d- I didn't get that far. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, there's, you know, Martin, for example, had 20 something fights Yeah. or 30 something fights, something like that. It's, it's yeah. like, I didn't even make it that far, you know, but if here's the thing. And, and that's how, you know, if it was your dream, you would have gone farther. Oh Yeah. 
Yeah. Especially once you've got the taste of it. Right. Yeah. Because like, like um, I can go back to like the writing and stand up are the things that I would say are have, like been my dreams and I've chased them both. And I still chase writing and, you know, I still have occasional success there. Right. But I wouldn't, you, you know that it's a dream because you commit to it. That's, that's how you know. And I mean, I think there are definitely a lot of people out there who have never committed to their dreams, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, there's, there's you, you start pursuing something, you think it's your dream, you start pursuing it. If it really is your dream. And I think for me, stand up was my dream, right? It was my dream. And I, and I woke up from that dream and I found out that it wasn't my dream anymore, I guess. Right. But there's no way that I would have pushed through the billion no's like you're talking about the, mm-hmm. the, the, the millions of no's that I got. There's no way that I would have continued, you know, forcing myself to go to as many open mics as I could and, you know, getting booked and, and going through all the rigmarole of, of getting on stages and driving all around the goddamn country uh, just for the opportunity to do an audition spot and all that, you know, there's no way that I would have made the kind of sacrifices that you need to make in order to make it work if it hadn't been my dream, you know? Um, and that's how, you, that's how you know, right? That, that's just it. That's, you know, you're, you're chasing a dream when you have that kind of commitment to it, right? And I think a lot of people would benefit from actually committing to a dream because I, I guarantee you, nobody ever dreams that they want to be an accountant, Hmm. you know, that's, and if there are those people good, more power to them, but I don't think that there are that many people who have a passion for it. You know, I don't think there are people who really dream of being a stockbroker. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, but to your point, like how many people have the ability to commit and i'm not just talking about no and that's why that's why people go and do other things right yeah yeah um and uh ability is an important part of any any mix you know but i think i i wish there were more people who had a dream and decided without the ability to chase that dream and develop the talent develop the skill and put in the put in the footwork Build that mountain of work product to stand on top of it just to say you fucking did it, right? Yeah. How much more meaningful would everybody's life be if they fucking well did it, whatever that is, you know? I have a friend of mine, and I'm not going to name her, right, Um, that, uh, you know, uh, not my story to tell, which is, you know, I'm not going to name her, but I know, like, at, at a certain point in her life, just like me, right? Like I got, I got uh, close to my thirties before I started doing standup, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and she went and did roller derby, right? Oh, that's cool. And, you know, that's another one of those things where, you know, more power to her for deciding, you know, I really like this. I'm going to chase this and chasing it and having, success with it and enjoying it and living it right 
And, you know, is another thing, it's just like, like fighting, like she doesn't do it anymore. Right. Because you get injured and yeah. you can't. Right. And there are other aspects of it that end up being like, maybe this isn't my dream. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it was for a point in time and she went and did it. And like more people need to do that shit because that's the fuel that gets you through the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, also like, look at all these amazing, like, tapestry of memories that you have now that you can share with people right it's like the journey alone uh to to finding out whether that dream is yours or not is fun enough like maybe maybe that's maybe uh you know that is all you really needed from the thing that you were chasing right is is the adventure and you you get so much out of it by engaging with something like with your whole being basically right Mm -hmm. dedicating yourself finding that finding out that you're capable of that kind of commitment and focus is a powerful thing like i said that's the fuel that's going to get get you through the rest of your life because whether or not you went on to be you know a big star or whatever is it's 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 totally irrelevant right because any time where you can sit back and say, I fucking well did that. Mm-hmm. I committed myself to it. I achieved. And, you know, I put in the time and the effort and the energy. You're never going to forget that, right? You're never going to forget that you achieved, that you're capable, that, that you can do. Ultimately, you, you can do the impossible, the things that you think are impossible, you can do it because you did it. You already did it. You forced yourself to do it. That's like my boy, um, my stepson, who he just got his Eagle Scout. And it took him six years, six years of working at something. For an 18-year-old, that's a huge deal. Six years. That's 30% of his life. Yeah. He spent 30% of his life. And he got there. And he's never going to forget that. You know what I mean? He's never going to forget that he has the capacity to commit to something and do the work and live it and breathe it and make it happen. And he's never going to forget that. It's important. And everybody needs to do that in their life. Everybody needs to do that in their life. Otherwise, you you end up being a, a drone and just going through the motions. And that's no good. It's no good. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I think we're going to cap this one off. Um, Well, uh, (laughs) let me, let me close out on two things here. I'll, I'll close out on Edgar. Thank you for inviting me to do the podcast with you. Thank you for these last two hours and the almost uncountable hours before this, that we've spent doing this podcast. I appreciate it. It means a lot to me. It, it means a lot to me too, brother. All I right. appreciate you. And I am going to make a point of not doing anything that I have to apologize for. <laughs> you see, moving I, forward. I, I am the, the person you have to worry about that the least because I, myself, being the recovering asshole like yourself, uh, would understand if, if you stepped on my toes or something. Like, <laughs> I, I, I am the least. Uh, uh, worried about that kind of stuff 
at least from you. I'm, unless you shoot me like in the leg or something, maybe I'll be a little pissed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but that's not going to happen. Yeah, it's not going to happen. You, I'm not driving all the way down there just to shoot you. <laughs> <laughs> not yet anyway. But um, yeah, so, um, but no, thank you for, for going on this journey with me. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Martin. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Emron. Uh, thank you, thank you, my actual cousin Dan. Thank you, cousin Primo. Thank you, all my guests. Uh, but no, thank you, thank you, especially cousin, or not my cousin Dan. <laughs> I was gonna call you cousin Dan, but no, I'm not my cousin Dan. Thank, thank you, especially because you've, you, have been, you, we've been friends a long time, and uh, I, I really do kind of treasure our friendship. Like, I, I really do. Uh, I'm not just saying that. And, yeah. like, you know, you mean a lot to me. I, I love you, man. And yeah. uh, it's, uh, I'm glad that you're doing this with me and that uh, I get I get a chance at least a couple couple times a week to get roasted by you. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, it, it, it's a two-way street. You know I love you. Yeah. And, and I'm just glad that, that we're doing this. Because there's been physical distance for too long. For sure. Uh, Yeah. yeah. You shouldn't have moved out to the boonies, brother. Shit happens, man. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. The call of the wild. Yeah. (laughs) All right, man. You take it easy. I will do. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year from the Floral family. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next year. Uh, oh yeah. So this is this is probably going to be the last podcast uh, for the flow flow roll till next year. Um, we we thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next year in 2021. Goodbye. Now that song you hear is on and on. And it's by Felix Johansson Carney. And you can find that over at Epidemic Sound. So that's it, man. That's our New Year's resolutions. We're just trying to make ourselves better humans. So from here on out, we're going to try to keep going with the twice a week or at least once a week. I know I took a little break there, but, you know, it was Christmas and New Year's and all that. So anyway, uh, follow us on Instagram, The Flow Roll. Go buy stuff at shopthefloorpodcast.com. We'll catch you later. Bye.